Hello, peace and blessings to all of you comedy lovers out there. Today we have a very special guest in studio. We are here at the Jimmy Kimmel Theater in Las Vegas, sitting down with the hilarious and beloved Lunell. Okay. First of all, it's an honor to be sitting here with you. How are you feeling today after such a festive birthday last night? And I'll admit I'm a little sluggish today. <laughs> no surprise to anybody, I'm sure, but happy very happy. Can you tell us a little bit about just what it means to be here? You're headlining in Vegas. This isn't something that's a, a, a small feat. You're climbing up big mountains now. What does that feel like for you? Well, it's something that I always achieved to do. I never thought that Vegas was some place where you come to just retire when your career is not hot anymore and just play to your old demographic. I've always thought Vegas was a magical place and a great place to expose yourself and be seen by many different people who may not see you anyplace else. So the fact that I'm here and the fact that I'm me, I find it to be very intriguing and exciting. Tell us about last night. Last night was my birthday party here at Kimmel's Comedy Club and the Link Promenade in beautiful Las Vegas. And I really had nothing to do with any of it, which is what made it much better. I think I called one person and said, hey, can you come to my party? But other than that, I've been very busy and preoccupied with suffering. I said, well, I'm just gonna let go and let God, because when I play my own parties, they're very, very extravagant. And I'm like, usually people can't plan parties for me as well as me. But that's not what happened last night. And a couple of my Las Vegas friends and fans, the great Eddie Griffin came through, King of Las Vegas, George Wallace came through, my heart and soul, my baby. Albie sure popped up after having such a devastating illness most recently, and I was so glad to be able to see him and hug his neck and ensure that I were uh, our uh, mutual admiration for each other will come out on the screen. And then I had my daughter and some family members in the building and um, old friends. And it was just a very calm, nice, sexy, memorable turnout. After having had a wild Las Vegas turn down for what? Turn up at Usher couple days before. Have you connected with Usher since you've been in Vegas? Yes, I have. I had met him prior um, in Yellow Springs with um, Dave Chappelle. Or were we in Yellow Springs? I think we were. But anyway, I had met him prior. And so um, when I got a chance to go see him the other day, I went mean, back, backstage. It wasn't a new uh, meeting we had met before. But it was always good to get our pictures and stuff like that. And it was the first time I saw the show, which I was very, very uh, excited about. When you think about, you know, looking out last night, all the people that showed up for you, you know, what does it feel like to be able to get those kind of flowers from the people who are iconic, you know, like we saw last night? Well, it felt great because I haven't always felt that way. I've had times where I felt like if something happened to me, nobody would care, it wouldn't matter. Sun's gonna come up the next day, and nobody's gonna 
not gonna make any difference. I have felt that way in the past, but I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I've put in the work and I've been around and I've not fell off with a, uh, whatever happened to Lunell. I've always been in their faith when they thought I was gonna fall off. And so I already believe I know how my peers feel about me in the industry. It's when the regular people come up and say, oh, during the quarantine, you saved me. I watched your podcast every week or your encouraging words really got me through or you know, it's the regular folks for me that 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 means something because they don't have to walk up to you and tell you anything. They can look at you from afar and just make little comments about you. But when they go out of their way to tell you what you mean to them, you know, I know how I feel about what I mean celebrities or whatever. So that's what that's what this is all about for me, connecting with the regular folk. I love that. You know, well, tell us what you know about Las Vegas the history of Las Vegas, black comedians, black entertainers. Can you give us any insight, shed some insight on the history of it? Well, okay, the, the history of blacks in Las Vegas has been well documented. I don't have to go into all of that, but of course I do know about the Moulin Rouge. I do know the, one of the first and only black-owned casinos in Las Vegas, which is a shame. And I know that just like everything that we've ever gotten on our own through uh, systematic segregation. It got burned to the ground, just like uh, Seneca Village, just like Tulsa. So that was a shame, and but you have to think about when you're taking money off that strip, because this is a business. This is a business, and this is a big money business. And people ain't playing no games out here about this bread. And if you're taking money off the strip, and taking it down to the West End. And when some of your high-profile celebrities are leaving the main casino to go down to see what these black, black girls looking like on stage, then you know there's only so much of that that the city was willing to put up with. And they did what they always do. But now there's still some of that, but there's more opportunities for black shows and for black content. And uh, if you have a following and if you are multi-racial friendly and uh, you have a nice spirit and you can put asses in the seat, you can work. But you, you know, you can be all those other things. And if you can't put the asses in the seats, it don't matter. Because like I said, it's business. Show fucking big money business. It's funny, they call it show business, but it wouldn't be no show without the business. It always should be called business show. You think about the rules of the game, which you're describing. How much of that do you understand because of your upbringing in Oakland? And what did Oakland teach you about just kind of maneuvering business and into the industry itself? Well, we see it all the time. You know, you look at Jay-Z and what he started out doing and what he's ended up doing being a business mogul. And you look at... Magic Johnson just started off as a regular brother and then played ball and has become a big entrepreneur, Master P, who came from the Kalaloo Projects and, you know, rose to fame and really became a major business person. I want to do that as well. And um, I think that um, we're able to take our street knowledge and apply it to anything 
because the street knowledge is like basically survival and how to try to flip some bread. And you can take that and apply that to any aspect of your life. Survival and how do I flip this bread? Can you take us back a little bit to your childhood? You you raised in Oakland. Can you tell us what you remember seeing? I mean, Oakland is such a place that has so much, you know, history from the, the pimps to Felix Mitchell and, you know, the whole nine yards. From, what about that do you remember most? Well, I went to elementary school at E. Morris Cox Elementary School on 98th and Bancroft. And I went to school there for only a little while. And then I think by the third grade, my parents moved me out of Oakland to a suburb of Oakland called Castro Valley, California, which was, you know, 98% white. And they called themselves getting me away from the drugs and getting me a good education. They definitely got me good education, but they just took me to where the better drugs were. And so the white boys had the better drugs. But um, uh, I, I am proud of the education I have. It is not so far by any means, and it has helped me in my acting and comedic career to be able to read clearly and cold read is uh, I'm finding to be a skill. I thought it was a natural way to bear me. It is not. So um, while I was out there at Castle Valley, and I had a yearn after seeing some plays and stuff to go into acting, but I knew that everything I auditioned for at my school, I was never gonna get to lead because. So I started going to the Oakland Ensemble Theater, which was down 13th and Grove in a big Victorian house. And that's where I found my niche and learned how to do set design, wardrobe, paint this, build that, and be on time. and work with other people, take direction. And, you know, one thing led to another on the Bay. But how proud are you to be able to be from the Bay and rep it? Because I know you say it often. Yeah, and uh, you were also asked what else did I see? Well, during that time where I was going to theater and stuff, it was a big drug war going on. Many, 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 many people was murdered because the crack epidemic was coming into Oakland like spreading like wildfire and uh, Felix Mitchell was still alive at that time and when he did get uh, sentenced to prison it was a shock to everybody because he was sort of like a superhero and you know as bad as it may sound but people say the same thing about John Gotti you know that he was the superhero of the community at the same time being Vicious, you know, uh, La Cosa Nostra. And um, uh, he, of course, did get sentenced to jail and subsequently got murdered in jail. And I remember his funeral that they had in Oakland. It was very presidential, very, you know, pop and circumstance, very Princess Diana, very um, um, uh, uh, imitation of life with the carriage and her horses and everything like this. Like, police was being their normal cold-blooded self and had some of his cars at the funeral. I remember it was, it was a lot going on. But at the same time, you had the Black Panther Party, which I grew up with that was doing good things. 
trying to feed the kids and making sure the women don't walk to and from class by themselves and all this kind of stuff. So it was a lot, and then you throw in the musical aspect. You know, you got Grand Central Station and Lenny Williams Tower Power, Sign the Family Stone, Edwin Hawkins singing, The Pointer Sisters, and on and on and on. So it was a lot going on in Bay Area, a lot, 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 lot. You mentioned, you know, Felix. Obviously, he was sent to the prison. It ultimately ended up being probably his demise, but you also had a little stint where you had a little run-in with the law. I think that is a beautiful part of just the whole aspect of your story and your, your stardom, but it kind of, if you could walk us back to that time, which is before the world knew you. Well, I mean, you know, that's another well-documented story, but basically I was just um, a, a frustrated bank employee that was working my ass off and didn't feel I was getting paid the money that I deserved or the money that we deserved as tellers. And got an opportunity, you know, young and fast and risky and was in a vault with my uh, fellow employee and took some money and subsequently ended up uh, years later getting busted for it and having to go to jail and do months at a time with a newborn baby um, that I had just had as well too. So um, I wouldn't recommend it. I don't regret it because I don't have very many regrets but jail is not for any human being, especially with a creative spirit. And, um, you know, it's just better to work for what you get. You feel much better. Can you tell us what your first night was like when you went to, to prison? You remember that, like what your thoughts were? You say your creative spirit, I can only imagine. Well, I didn't go to prison. I only went to county jail, which is much worse than prison. People beg to go to prison to get out of county jail, and that's where I was. Um, my first night was a nightmare. It was um, felt like a nightmare because from the moment that you see the lights in the back of your, in your rearview mirror, <laughs> it's all downhill from there. From the lights to the, let me see, the driver's license, to the can you step out the car, to turn face the car, can you? Pretends around your back to the cold, hard, sharp handcuffs, to the booking process, to the holding cell, to the processing. And it's all downhill. It's all hell. And I just, you know, um, you can't believe you're in, in, in there like a bug in a jar. You can't believe you caught. Hey, why did I do this? I do that because you also have plenty of time to sit in there and think. That's all you have time to do. You don't get to just watch TV when you want. You don't get to do anything, it's lights out. And by the way, the lights don't go all the way out. So it's just an experience that I wouldn't suggest, uh, but especially if you have a creative spirit, because it can really, really break your spirit. Like Beyonce got that song say, you want to break my soul? As she ain't never been in county jail. <laughs> How to break you fucking so <laughs> Where do you find your inner peace from? Because obviously when you're in a situation like that, there's a lot of inner reflection. And even today, how does that kind of carry over who you are today? Well, 
You don't find inner peace in jail at first. You have to do some real hard reflection, which probably comes with real hard time to find inner peace. Because at first you're just so plucked and frustrated and, and devastated and denial and stuff like that that you can't you can't find inner peace at first. Where it gives me inner peace now is knowing that I'm doing good things, knowing that I'm helping people, knowing that I'm not just a clown, that I'm doing this with a purpose and a goal, and knowing that I'm setting a good example for my daughter about being a hustler and um, and and ma making a difference in the comedy world, being somebody whose name is on the lips from people that are at the table. When you think about those people at the table and people that have come before you, you're, you're walking on the on the shoulders of, of some giants. Um, and when you think about kind of what a comedian used to represent, what do you think about your responsibility is? I mean, you think about Paul Moody and you know all those people who really shook up Richard Pryor and Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory, exactly. Landing Bruce. You stand on their shoulders, knowing they came before you. They all had a, like a responsibility to do something. Well, I think that I have a responsibility as well to speak for my people and to be a voice of my people. Because, you know, sometimes people don't even want to listen to politicians when they'll listen to a comedian, you know, and if we can be influential in any way, you want to make sure that it's the right way. I do feel it was a responsibility to not just be yuck, yuck, yuck all the time, but to speak on issues that are really hurting us. I feel a responsibility to do that. Is there anything that you touch on that you feel like it might be a mission for you or a strong point for you? Well, I've always been an advocate for the kids and stuff. And I just think that when you, you know, sexually mess over a child, you break their spirit, you stunt their imagination. And so I always want to do something to protect kids. It's hard though because you end up wanting to bring them all home with you, you know, uh, it can be heartbreaking sometimes, but that's what I really um, want to be more invested in. And that's not just kids in the United States either. We have those issues at your heart, you know, and they're close to you. I mean, they, a lot of people would say comedians deal with depression and whatnot, and then you're on stage with the lights and speaking about real stuff, making people laugh. Well, and first of all, let me go back and say to the people who may be saying, that she look like she are here on the time. I really tired from that party last night, but I'm doing this interview because uh, you ask good questions. I told you I would do it, I got things to say, but don't don't come for me. Don't come for me when you see me online. I'm like, oh my God, because I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can right now. Um, okay, I'm sorry, what was the last question? Oh, do you ever deal with any, like, depression or anything like that? Oh, oh, I think that for sure we, you know, they got afraid, don't take it personal, don't take it personal. I think as a Pisces and as an artist, we do take stuff straight personal because I just don't see how you can't, you know? I think that uh, it can be very lonely 
very depressing, lot more hours you spend alone in a hotel room than you do at home. You know, the chances of you stroking out in a hotel room are greater than they are something happening to you at home because most of the time you're in a hotel room, usually alone. And um, think about, do I have everything set up right for my daughter? Do I, you know, I don't have any parents to ask its older brothers and sisters, did I do this right, did you know, what's gonna happen? Does she know that this could be a museum, this, that, and um, uh, you know, I always worry that the money gonna run out. I don't ever wanna be broke again, you know? And there's levels to this shit, of course, I'm not a billionaire like my girl Rihanna or Kylie Jenner, but I'm comfortable. But I want to be more comfortable so I can do more things. You know, you have more power. Let's face it when you have that money. How do you deal with fame? Um, with a human aspect, I deal with fame. But some days I deal with it really greatly, and I embrace it. And other days I'm like, look, I can't today. You know. So I just have to be, I'm just human about it. It depends on the way you approach me and the day you catch me. Comedians are so relatable. Everybody comes up like they probably know you or, oh, yeah. I mean, they look at you like yeah, they auntie or they cousin. I mean, how do you deal with that? Well, it's a compliment to me but it also can be a little worrisome if people do try to take the AT thing too far and they want to hang out or they want to talk to you about all their problems and stuff like that and you don't really know them and it can put a great burden on you to maybe try to help because you don't want to push somebody over the edge because you never know when they truly might go over the edge. You don't want to be the reason. So it, it, it can be super fun and, you know, get you in a couple of places and other times it can be a bit uh, overwhelming. Your birthday was a significant year for you. you got an OnlyFans page. I mean, I feel like the sky's the limit. Tell us about your OnlyFans page and kind of what made you transition there at this stage of your life. When I did the Savage X Fenty Lingerie Ambassador campaign for Rihanna, we had a lot more photos that we had taken from photo shoots then were used in the campaign. I'm like, what are we gonna do with all these pretty ass pictures? So I said, let's start an OnlyFans. I said this to my manager, and let's just put the the sexy pictures out, you know? And so we we had it over here, but we hadn't launched it. And then one day, Ricky Smiley out the blue with his dumb ass, dropped some pictures on, on his page of me in some of the lingerie, but I didn't like those pictures. And I called him and I said, Ricky, out of vanity. I said, what are you What are you doing? <laughs> like, why did you, if you wanted to put some pictures of me on your page, you should have asked about it, sent you some hot ones. He said, well, send me some hot ones. And I did, and then he reposted again. I was like, oh my God, this fool. And then Bell Bellamy chimed in, and he was like, Linnell, what are you doing in your underwear on the Instagram? Now you look good now, don't get me wrong, you look good, but what are you doing? And then so when you had that heat generated, I told him, I said, let's just drop it now and see what happens since everybody talking about me anyway. 
And we did, and it's been quite successful. It's gotten a little progressively more graphic than I anticipated, but I, I, I have some goals that need to be met in the words of the great Malcolm X by any means necessary. <laughs> Can you describe any of those memes? Nah, not right now. Any food, beat, Oh, you mean, can I describe some of the stuff on my own? Yeah, definitely some foot content because I have great feet. No cords, no bands. My toenails look like Skittles right now. All different colored seats. Wait. There is Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, y'all might be like, why is she hugging Miss Oh, Because I got these little tight pants on. And I ain't trying to show the little belly rolls and shit. You really must know. And um, I have I don't have any food content on there. That mukbang stuff. I don't have any of that. And I have some like a little titty content and a little a little little coochie content, booty. <laughs> So tell me, uh, you mentioned it earlier, but give us. So uh, we saw. I'm sorry, I know I keep moving back and forth, and my bra strap is coming down over here. Your mic's on that. Let me try to pull this uh, shit. I'm sorry, I'm a mess right now. Jake me again tonight. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back in grammar mode. Cause this is whoop. Day after a birthday for Henny. No, you're totally fine. We're almost done too. You got a couple more. Minutes. Yeah, cause I'm about to go still. You sit there. Speaking of that birthday party, can you take us back to last night, the moment you saw Al B. Shore walk into the room? Take us back there. When when Al walked into the room, and I had seen him making some appearances lately, and he was so clean, and he's so debonair, he's so well-spoken, he's so sweet, and he's so well-liked, and he's been my friend for a couple years now, but I had not seen him, you know, and through his health, Issues. I talked to him, but I had not seen him. I just had told him, I was like, I need to feel you. I need to hug you. I need to, like, I got to put my hands on you. And so for him to show up on my birthday and for my friends to know, and those boys kept it a secret. And then I felt like when Cinderella first saw, when, when the prince first saw Cinderella, standing at the top of the steps and their eyes met like that and it was like they started walking toward each other. I felt like that. Felt like that with Bruno too. But see, they're in competition. No shade out. I'm just saying, you know, we made the video, babe. <laughs> All right. A couple more questions. Uh, tell us about your relationship or your thoughts on just um, cannabis and where the world is today and what are your thoughts on weed? Well, I don't like people who smoke and then they just go dumb and go stupid. That's You shouldn't do it if you just want to be in, the, in a state of stupidness. But for so many reasons, it can be great. I have had family members who have had cancer, had trouble sleeping, had trouble eating, and those edibles can be good for all that or just smoking and getting an appetite. And then also weed is a 
non-violent type of drugs like people you got to be moving bricks and bricks and bricks to get into some heat about weed it's more of a friendly type social type thing and it just could help make the world a little more chill you know instead of all this hate you never know somebody smoke weed that might make them go you know that that nigga not so bad after all you know no worries Bob Martin for everybody at the end of the day we think about you know legacy I heard you earlier talking about you know making sure things are lined up where they need to be but ultimately I mean how would you describe what you believe your legacy is already and kind of where it's going well I think um my legacy would be that you know I was a real one that I tried to be for my people and I'd take a page out of Tupac's book you know and try to um uplift and bring joy into the world with my comedy and my realness and that I hope to be thought of as a great mom and a great sister and a great auntie <laughs> and a great niece and all things that family encompasses. Beautiful, beautiful. That's perfect. That would do it for today. The festival. Dun, 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 dun. With the third. Oh, gosh. Thank you for your time.